Chapter Eight of France and England in North America, Part Five. Count Frotenac, New France, Louis the Fourteenth by Francis Parkman Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight, sixteen eighty-seven, Denonville and the Senecas a host of flatboats filled with soldiers and a host of indian canoes struggled against the rapids of the st lawrence and slowly made their way to fort frontenac among the troops was la hontan when on his arrival he entered the gate of the fort he saw a strange sight a row of posts was planted across the area within and to each post an iroquois was tied by the neck hands and feet in such a way says the indignant witness that he could neither sleep nor drive off the mosquitoes a number of indians attached to the expedition all of whom were christian converts from the mission villages were amusing themselves by burning the fingers of these unfortunates in the bowls of their pipes while the sufferers sang their death songs la hontan recognized one of them who during his campaign with la barre had often feasted him in his wigwam and the sight so exasperated the young officer that he could scarcely refrain from thrashing the tormentors with his walking-stick though the prisoners were iroquois they were not those against whom the expedition was directed nor had they so far as appears ever given the french any cause of complaint they belonged to two neutral villages called conte and ganius on the north shore of lake ontario forming a sort of colony where the sulpicians of montreal had established a mission they hunted and fished for the garrison of the fort and had been on excellent terms with it denonville however feared that they would report his movements to their relations across the lake but this was not his chief motive for seizing them like la barre before him he had received orders from the court that as the iroquois were robust and strong he should capture as many of them as possible and send them to france as galley slaves the order without doubt referred to prisoners taken in war but denonville aware that the hostile iroquois were not easily caught resolved to entrap their unsuspecting relatives the intendant champigny accordingly proceeded to the fort in advance of the troops and invited the neighbouring iroquois to a feast they came to the number of thirty men and about ninety women and children whereupon they were surrounded and captured by the intendant's escort and two hundred men of the garrison the inhabitants of the village of ganias were not present and one pere with a strong party of canadians and christian indians went to secure them he acquitted himself of his errand with great address and returned with eighteen warriors and about sixty women and children champigny's exertions did not end here learning that a party of iroquois were peaceably fishing on an island in the st lawrence he offered them also the hospitalities of fort frontenac but they were too wary to be entrapped four or five iroquois were however caught by the troops on their way up the river they were in two or more parties and they had all with them their women and children which was never the case with iroquois on the warpath hence the assertion of denonville that they came with hostile designs is very improbable as for the last six months he had constantly urged them by the lips of lamberville to visit him and smoke the pipe of peace it is not unreasonable to suppose that these indian families were on their way to the colony in consequence of his invitations among them were the son and brother of big mouth who of late had been an advocate of peace and in order not to alienate him these two were eventually set free the other warriors were tied like the rest to stakes at the fort the whole number of prisoners thus secured was fifty-one sustained by such food as their wives were able to get for them 
of more than a hundred and fifty women and children captured with them many died at the fort partly from excitement and distress and partly from a pestilential disease the survivors were all baptized and then distributed among the mission villages in the colony the men were sent to quebec where some of them were given up to their christian relatives in the missions who had claimed them and whom it was not expedient to offend and the rest after being baptized were sent to france to share with convicts and huguenots the horrible slavery of the royal galleys before reaching fort frontenac denonville to his great relief was joined by lamberville delivered from the peril to which the governor had exposed him he owed his life to an act of magnanimity on the part of the iroquois which does them signal honour one of the prisoners at fort frontenac had contrived to escape and leaping sixteen feet to the ground from the window of a blockhouse crossed the lake and gave the alarm to his countrymen apparently it was from him that the onondagas learned that the invitations of onuncio were a snare that he had entrapped their relatives and was about to fall on their seneca brethren with all the force of canada the jesuit whom they trusted and esteemed but who had been used as an instrument to beguile them was summoned before a council of the chiefs they were in a fury at the news and lamberville as much astonished by it as they expected instant death when one of them is said to have addressed him to the following effect we know you too well to believe that you meant to betray us we think that you have been deceived as well as we and we are not unjust enough to punish you for the crime of others but you are not safe here when once our young men have sung the war-song they will listen to nothing but their fury and we shall not be able to save you they gave him guides and sent him by secret paths to meet the advancing army again the fields about fort frontenac were covered with tents camp-sheds and wigwams regulars militia and indians there were about two thousand men and besides these eight hundred regulars just arrived from france had been left at montreal to protect the settlers fortune thus far had smiled on the enterprise and she now gave denonville a fresh proof of her favour on the very day of his arrival a canoe came from niagara with news that a large body of allies from the west had reached that place three days before and were waiting his commands it was more than he had dared to hope in the preceding autumn he had ordered tonti commanding at the illinois and la durantais commanding at michilimackinac to muster as many coureurs de bois and indians as possible and join him early in july at niagara the distances were vast and the difficulties incalculable in the eyes of the pious governor their timely arrival was a manifest sign of the favour of heaven at fort st louis of the illinois tonti had mustered sixteen frenchmen and about two hundred indians whom he led across the country to detroit and here he found Duluth, la forêt and la durantais with a large body of french and indians from the upper lakes it had been the work of the whole winter to induce these savages to move presents persuasion and promises had not been spared and while la durantais aided by the jesuit angelerand laboured to gain over the tribes of michilimackinac the indefatigable nicolas perrault was at work among those of the mississippi and lake michigan they were of a race unsteady as aspens and fierce as wildcats full of mutual jealousies without rulers and without laws for each was a law to himself it was difficult to persuade them and when persuaded scarcely possible to keep them so perrault however induced some of them to follow him to michilimackinac where many hundreds of algonquin savages were presently gathered 
a perilous crew who changed their minds every day and whose dancing singing and yelping might turn at any moment into war-whoops against each other or against their hosts the french the hurons showed more stability and la durantais was reasonably sure that some of them would follow him to the war though it was clear that others were bent on allying themselves with the senecas and the english as for the potawatomies sacs ojibwas ottawas and other algonquin hordes no man could foresee what they would do suddenly a canoe arrived with news that a party of english traders was approaching it will be remembered that two bands of dutch and english under rusboom and mcgregory had prepared to set out together for michilimackinac armed with commissions from dongan they had rashly changed their plan and parted company rusboom took the lead and mcgregory followed some time after their hope was that on reaching michilimackinac the indians of the place attracted by their cheap goods and their abundant supplies of rum would declare for them and drive off the french and this would probably have happened but for the prompt action of la durantais the canoes of rousboom bearing twenty-nine whites and five mohawks and mohicans were not far distant when amid a prodigious hubbub the french commander embarked to meet him with a hundred and twenty coureurs de bois behind them followed a swarm of indian canoes whose occupants scarcely knew which side to take but for the most part inclined to the english Rousboom and his men, however, naturally thought that they came to support the French. And when La Durantais bore down upon them with threats of instant death if they made the least resistance, they surrendered at once. The captors carried them in triumph to Michilimackinac and gave their goods to the delighted Indians. It is certain, wrote de Nonville, that if the English had not stopped and pillaged, the Hurons and Ottawas would have revolted and cut the throats of all our Frenchmen as it was la durantais exploit produced a revulsion of feeling and many of the indians consented to follow him he lost no time in leading them down the lake to join duluth at detroit and when tonti arrived they all paddled for niagara on the way they met mcgregory with a party about equal to that of rousboom he had with him a considerable number of ottawa and huron prisoners whom the iroquois had captured and whom he meant to return to their countrymen as a means of concluding the long-projected triple alliance between the english the iroquois and the tribes of the lakes this bold scheme was now completely crushed all the english were captured and carried to niagara whence they and their luckless precursors were sent prisoners to quebec la durantais and his companions with a hundred and eighty coureurs de bois and four hundred indians waited impatiently at niagara for orders from the governor a canoe despatched in haste from fort frontenac soon appeared and they were directed to repair at once to the rendezvous at hirondequois bay on the borders of the seneca country de nonville was already on his way thither on the fourth of july he had embarked at fort frontenac with four hundred bateaux and canoes crossed the foot of lake ontario and moved westward along the southern shore the weather was rough and six days passed before he descried the low headlands of hirondequois bay far off on the glimmering water he saw a multitude of canoes advancing to meet him it was the flotilla of la durantais good management and good luck had so disposed it that the allied bands concentrating from points more than a thousand miles distant reached the rendezvous on the same day this was not all the ottawas of michilimackinac who refused to follow la durantais had changed their minds the next morning 
embarked in a body, paddled up the Georgian Bay of Lake Huron, crossed to Toronto, and joined the Allies at Niagara. White and red, Denonville now had nearly three thousand men under his command. All were gathered on the low point of land that separates Hirondequois Bay from Lake Ontario. Never, says an eyewitness, had Canada seen such a sight, and never, perhaps, will she see such a sight again. Here was the camp of the regulars from France with the general's headquarters, the camp of the four battalions of the Canadian militia, commanded by the noblesse of the country the camp of the christian indians and farther on a swarm of savages of every nation their features were different and so were their manners their weapons their decorations and their dances they sang and whooped and harangued in every accent and tongue most of them wore nothing but horns on their heads and the tails of beasts behind their backs their faces were painted red or green with black or white spots their ears and noses were hung with ornaments of iron and their naked bodies were daubed with figures of various sorts of animals these were the allies from the upper lakes the enemy meanwhile had taken alarm just after the army arrived three seneca scouts called from the edge of the woods and demanded what they meant to do to fight you you blockheads answered a mohawk christian attached to the french a volley of bullets was fired at the scouts but they escaped and carried the news to their villages many of the best warriors were absent those that remained four hundred or four hundred and fifty by their own accounts and eight hundred by that of the french mustered in haste and though many of them were mere boys they sent off the women and children hid their most valued possessions burned their chief town and prepared to meet the invaders on the twelfth at three o'clock in the afternoon de nonville began his march leaving four hundred men in a hastily built fort to guard the bateaux and canoes troops officers and indians all carried their provisions at their backs some of the christian mohawks guided them but guides were scarcely needed for a broad indian trail led from the bay to the great seneca town twenty-two miles southward they marched three leagues through the open forests of oak and encamped for the night in the morning the heat was intense the men gasped in the dead and sultry air of the woods or grew faint in the pitiless sun as they waded waist-deep through the rank grass of the narrow intervales they passed safely through two dangerous defiles and about two in the afternoon began to enter a third dense forests covered the hills on either hand la durante with tonti and his cousin Dulut, led the advance nor could all canada have supplied three men better for the work each led his band of coureurs de bois white indians without discipline and scarcely capable of it but brave and accustomed to the woods on their left were the iroquois converts from the missions of sault st louis and the mountain of montreal fighting under the influence of their ghostly prompters against their own countrymen on the right were the pagan indians from the west the woods were full of these painted spectres grotesquely horrible in horns and tail and among them flitted the black robe of father angelran the jesuit of michilimackinac nicolas perrault and two other bush-ranging frenchmen were assigned to command them but in fact they obeyed no man these formed the vanguard eight or nine hundred in all under an excellent officer calière governor of montreal behind came the main body under denonville each of the four battalions of regulars alternating with a battalion of canadians some of the regulars wore light armor while the canadians were in plain attire of coarse cloth or buckskin 
Denonville, oppressed by the heat, marched in his shirt. It is a rough life, wrote the Marquis, to tramp afoot through the woods, carrying one's own provisions in a haversack, devoured by mosquitoes, and faring no better than a mere soldier. With him was the Chevalier de Vaudreuil, who had just arrived from France in command of the eight hundred men left to guard the colony, and who, eager to take part in the campaign, had pushed forward alone to join the army. Here, too, were the Canadian seniors at the head of their vassals, Berthier, La Valtrie, Granville, Longueuil, and many more. A guard of rangers and Indians brought up the rear. Scouts thrown out in front ran back with the report that they had reached the Seneca clearings and had seen no more dangerous enemy than three or four women in the cornfields. This was a device of the Senecas to cheat the French into belief that the inhabitants were still in the town. It had the desired effect. The vanguard pushed rapidly forward, hoping to surprise the place, and, ignorant that, behind the ridge of thick forests on their right, among a tangled growth of beech-trees in the gorge of a brook, three hundred ambushed warriors lay biding their time. Hurrying forward through the forest, they left the main body behind, and soon reached the end of the defile. The woods were still dense on their left and front but on their right lay a great marsh covered with alder thickets and rank grass suddenly the air was filled with yells and a rapid though distant fire was opened from the thickets and the forest scores of painted savages stark naked some armed with swords and some with hatchets leaped screeching from their ambuscade and rushed against the van almost at the same moment a burst of whoops and firing sounded in the defile behind it was the ambush three hundred supporting the onset of their countrymen in front, but they had made a fatal mistake. Deceived by the numbers of the vanguard, they supposed it to be the whole army, never suspecting that Denonville was close behind with sixteen hundred men. It was a surprise on both sides. So dense was the forest that the advancing battalions could see neither the enemy nor each other appalled by the din of whoops and firing redoubled by the echoes of the narrow valley the whole army was seized with something like a panic some of the officers it is said threw themselves on the ground in their fright there were a few moments of intense bewilderment the various corps became broken and confused and moved hither and thither without knowing why de nonville behaved with great courage he ran sword in hand to where the uproar was greatest ordered the drums to beat the charge turned back the militia of berthier who were trying to escape and commanded them and all others whom he met to fire on whatever looked like an enemy he was bravely seconded by calière la valterie and several other officers the christian iroquois fought well from the first leaping from tree to tree and exchanging shots and defiance with their heathen countrymen till the Senecas, seeing themselves confronted by numbers that seemed endless, abandoned the field after heavy loss, carrying with them many of their dead and all of their wounded. De Nonville made no attempt to pursue. He had learned the dangers of this blind warfare of the woods, and he feared that the Senecas would waylay him again in the labyrinth of bushes that lay between him and the town. "'Our troops,' he says, were all so overcome by the extreme heat and the long march that we were forced to remain where we were till morning. We had the pain of witnessing the usual cruelties of the Indians, who cut the dead bodies into quarters, like butcher's meat to put into their kettles, and opened most of them while still warm to drink the blood. Our rascally Ottawas particularly distinguished themselves by these barbarities as well as by cowardice, for they made off in the fight. 
we had five or six men killed on the spot and about twenty wounded among whom was father angelrand who was badly hurt by a gunshot some prisoners who escaped from the senecas tell us that they lost forty men killed outright twenty-five of whom we saw butchered one of the escaped prisoners saw the rest buried and he saw also more than sixty very dangerously wounded in the morning the troops advanced in order of battle through a marsh covered with alders and tall grass whence they had no sooner emerged than says abbe belmont we began to see the famous babylon of the senecas where so many crimes have been committed so much blood spilled and so many men burned it was a village or town of bark on the top of a hill they had burned it a week before we found nothing in it but the graveyard and the graves full of snakes and other creatures a great mask with teeth and eyes of brass and a bearskin drawn over it with which they perform their conjurations the fire had also spared a number of huge receptacles of bark still filled with the last season's corn while the fields around were covered with the growing crop ripening in the july sun there were hogs too in great number for the iroquois did not share the antipathy with which indians are apt to regard that unsavoury animal and from which certain philosophers have argued their descent from the jews the soldiers killed the hogs burned the old corn and hacked down the new with their swords next they advanced to an abandoned seneca fort on a hill half a league distant and burned it with all that it contained ten days were passed in the work of havoc three neighbouring villages were levelled and all their fields laid waste the amount of corn destroyed was prodigious de nonville reckons it at the absurdly exaggerated amount of twelve hundred thousand bushels the senecas laden with such of their possessions as they could carry off had fled to their confederates in the east and de nonville did not venture to pursue them his men feasting without stint on green corn and fresh pork were sickening rapidly and his indian allies were deserting him it is a miserable business he wrote to command savages who as soon as they have knocked an enemy in the head ask for nothing but to go home and carry with them the scalp which they take off like a skull-cap you cannot believe what trouble i had to keep them till the corn was cut on the twenty fourth he withdrew with all his army to the fortified post at irondequois bay whence he proceeded to niagara in order to accomplish his favourite purpose of building a fort there the troops were set at work and a stockade was planted on the point of land at the eastern angle between the river niagara and lake ontario the site of the ruined fort built by la salle nine years before here he left a hundred men under the chevalier de troyes and embarking with the rest of the army descended to montreal the campaign was but half a success joined to the capture of the english traders on the lakes it had indeed prevented the defection of the western indians and in some slight measure restored their respect for the french of whom nevertheless one of them was heard to say that they were good for nothing but to make war on hogs and corn as for the senecas they were more enraged than hurt they could rebuild their bark villages in a few weeks and though they had lost their harvest their confederates would not let them starve a converted iroquois had told the governor before his departure that if he overset a wasp nest he must crush the wasps or they would sting him de nonville left the wasps alive End of chapter seven